Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Today, I'm covering two questions that are really good because they touch on issues that are pertinent to parents of kids of all ages. Our first question is about moving away from reward charts to using tools that will build internal motivation. The second question is from a mom who has many concerns about her five-year-old's behavior from picky eating to self-esteem struggles to struggles with feeling overwhelmed. So I'll spend some time delving into each of her concerns as much as possible. Our first question from Naomi is about moving away from reward charts. Now, some of you may recall that I talked about that in a past episode about how reward charts work to build external motivation, meaning kids learn to rely on an external reward in order to be motivated to improve or accomplish something. Now, what we want is to spark internal motivation for our kids' choices, behaviors, and motivations. If you didn't listen to that episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to episode number 38 to learn more about why rewards and punishments do not work in building the long-term internal motivation kids need to be successful in life. So on to Naomi's question. She asks, I listened to your advice about praise and rewards, but have always used star charts and rewards to channel behavior with my three children, seven, four, and four. Oh, you're just like me, except your twins are a little further apart than your older one. I'm assuming the four-year-olds are twins. Maybe I shouldn't do that, but 
I want to focus on the internal behavior and encourage them to choose to help or be kind without external motivation. How can I switch from the reward chart they have come to expect to a system that relies on self-satisfaction? Thanks. Okay, Naomi, so I recommend going cold turkey, especially with the behavior. I'm not exactly sure what's currently being done, but if you're using a reward chart for good behavior, just go ahead and get rid of it. This switch will be easier with the four-year-old since they haven't been accustomed to it for nearly as long, but the seven-year-old will get used to it fairly quickly. Have a quick chat with them and let them know that they're too sophisticated for the sticker charts or the star charts and that they generally know how to make good choices and that you are now giving them the responsibility to make good choices in listening and treating each other respectfully, but that you will be there to help them when they need reminding. Then just start using the descriptive praise in place of when you would have put a star on the chart that I discussed in the episode two on self-esteem. So as you may remember, this internal motivation is a big building block for self-esteem and that's why it's in that episode. If you haven't listened to it, then definitely go back and have a listen. But descriptive praise is describing the action and then labeling it. So something like, you shared the red car with your brother. That was very thoughtful. Sharing the car is the description of the behavior. Thoughtful is the label. Another example, you came to set the table the first time I asked. That was very helpful. Coming the first time is the description of the behavior and helpful is the label. Do this as much as you can all day long without placating or going too overboard. But for most of us, we forget to do this descriptive praise. We forget to notice the good behavior. I forget all the time, so going a little strong on it, especially at first, is okay. If you aren't sure of some good examples for labels, I have a printout that has a whole page full of descriptors that you can use. So to get the printout, you can go to yourvillageonline.com slash podcast slash praise and enter your email address and get it sent to your inbox right away. Again, that's yourvillageonline.com slash podcast slash praise. Praise. Now, if you're a member of the classes on the site, you can go into the self-esteem classes, either the one for a newborn up to preschool or the five plus class, either one, and print out that handout from the class as well. Now, just a reminder, the evaluative praise is what we want to stay away from. We call it evaluative praise because it's an evaluation of the behavior and it feeds that need for external motivation to do for others rather than for self to do for the approval of someone else outside of ourselves. So we want to stay away from things like good job, good boy or good girl. I'm proud of you. Now, I know it sounds benign and we all do this from time to time, but just do your best to mostly use the descriptive praise I shared first as much as possible. Now, if your child blows it away with making a super difficult goal on the field or aces a test that she studied really hard for, then yes, give her an I'm proud. You are proud and you should be proud. But if they just empty the dishwasher without complaining, that should be expected. So it's not something to gush over. So hopefully the difference here is pretty obvious and it makes sense. 
Now, I'm not sure if this was part of the question, but in case it is or anyone else has questions around this, I'm going to elaborate about helping and jobs. When it comes to jobs, and at this point, only the seven-year-old should have any regular jobs for helping out. Doesn't mean the four-year-olds can't help pitch in sometimes or do little jobs around the house or ask them to bring something to you or all kinds of other ways of getting them used to helping out and being part of the family. But when it comes to regular jobs for helping the family, we usually start this around five or six years old, but you can use a jobs chart for this where you simply track the jobs and when they're complete, you check it off just like we would with a checklist for adults. Now in our house, all three of our kids are responsible for emptying the dishwasher in turns and helping set and clear the table for meals. So in order to remember who did what last, because I always forget and get confused, we use a job chart and we simply check it off. But using a sticker is fine too if it makes it more fun for them, so long as it isn't pumped up like it's a reward. If it starts to feel too much like a reward system, then just go to checking the box. Okay, our next question is from Gabriella, and she has quite a few separate questions about her five-year-old son's behavior. Dear Erin, I recently discovered your podcast, and I'm so impressed with all that I've been able to hear and hopefully apply in my daily family life. I am writing to you because I need some advice on how to handle some things that I have been observing in my five-year-old boy's behavior and thoughts. Regarding eating, we have been asking him to try everything that is on his plate, at least a bite, and he can only then decide if he wants to eat more of each item or not. When I pick him up at the end of the day at school, he is hangry, barely touches what is served. I'm completely aware that he is super selective of what he eats. He is very sensitive to smells and textures of food. Is there any hope for us? On a psychological aspect of his life, he is doubting himself a lot. He says that he's not capable enough, that he's not creative when we play with blocks, Lego, etc., that he can't do anything right, that his mind is dirty with too many thoughts. It hurts me to hear that. We're trying to teach him every night a two-minute meditation to help him calm down and rest. He built his phrases with the word struggle, like I'm struggling with this or that. I believe that was recently learned from school. Now lately, that is what we hear, and I'm not sure if this is a word widely used in the classroom or if the kids tell each other, but he understands the meaning and refers to himself like that often. On making choices, any choice is overwhelming him because he keeps saying that he can't make a decision, that he's just not capable to choose. That is surfacing in just the last two weeks or so. We normally present him with two choices, blue shirt or white shirt, Cheerios or cinnamon toast crunch. Not sure how to help him on making decisions as he won't even listen to me before he starts crying. He is a very sensitive and sensible little guy. He is quite responsible for this age and he can be very hard on himself. We never ever shame him for anything because that won't help him. Raising him has been interesting and for the most part, incredible journey for us as parents. We're learning, adapting, and changing as needed, but at this moment, I need some input from you as to what would be a good way to approach those issues I have perceived. Thank you so much for your time and patience, and be always blessed for sharing with us such concepts about parenting. That is a lovely message, Gabriella. Thank you so much for that. So this is a lot of different questions here, and I'll work to answer each one as in-depth as I can, starting with the first question about dealing with his aversion to healthier foods 
And I have some good insights about some ways to go about this differently that can help open up his palate right after a word from our sponsor. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back from the break, I'm going to dive into Gabriella's questions, starting with some tips for working with her son's issues around picky eating. There are two scenarios Gabriella mentioned. First was asking him to try everything that's on his plate, at least a bite, and he can only then decide if he wants to eat more of each item or not. Now, I totally understand why you're doing this. It makes absolute sense and seems like such a benign request. It's a very common thing, and I've done this with my own kids in the past as well. But unfortunately, research, and it seems your son's reactions are backing this up, that this type of request, what we call micromanaging, is when we say things like, try a bite of this or one more bite of that, and then, you know, fill in the blank. This tends to make kids pickier. Research shows that children who are raised with less pressure around foods will widen their tastes as they age. So what do we do instead? What we want to do is present the foods over and over and over. 
Studies show that it takes young toddlers on average between six and 16 experiences with a new flavor before it becomes accepted. Therefore, scientists have found that these repeated offerings, even of a rejected flavor, are likely to become accepted and even enjoyed over time. Which is why Susan Roberts, a Tufts University nutritionist and co-author of the book Feeding Your Child for Lifelong Health, suggests using the rule of 15, putting a food on the table at least 15 times to allow a child full opportunity to experience and accept new foods. Now, as kids get older, it can take more than 16 times. So if by the time kids are five and six and seven, they become more ingrained, it can take 26, 27, 28, 30 times. Keep making it and keep presenting it. Just don't pressure it. There are tons of do's and don'ts around dealing with and curbing picky eating that I cover in the class on healthy eating, preschool and beyond. But just to cover a few more, besides keep offering and not to push it, you wanna put the offending foods or anything that you're trying to get your child to open up more to, and these are usually vegetables, in everything. So with pasta with tomato sauce, put onions, mushrooms, and or red bell peppers into them. The same with scrambled eggs, add veggies in there. Add veggies to pizza, put blueberries in the pancakes, add peas to the macaroni and cheese. They may pick it out, and that's okay, but they're getting exposure to these foods. Let them come grocery shopping with you and pick out fruits and vegetables they like or ones they want to try. But again, present and never force or coerce or bargain. And I've told this story a bunch of times already on this podcast, and I'm going to run through it really quick again. But the more kids feel like they're being pushed or coerced or forced, or there's a power struggle involved in eating, the less likely they are to try it. And I go back to the story about my son Chandler when he was about three, three and a half, every single night would sit down to dinner and say, I don't like this. Whatever it was, it didn't matter. He didn't like it. And if I would even look at him sideways, he was looking for me to watch him and he wanted to show me that he was in charge. So I literally, I couldn't even look at him. I'd put it down in front of him. I would ignore him. I would look at the other kids. I would chit chat with everyone and literally pay zero attention to what or how much he was eating. And this cut down on that power struggle. If I didn't care, then he didn't have any power over me. So remember to keep that in mind. Here's what we're having and have zero interest in the outcome of how much he eats. The basic rule at the table is that when it comes to kids and food is parents are in charge of what's offered and kids are in charge of what and how much they eat. If your child is always eating pizza or macaroni and no veggies, then you can make dinner around vegetables. Things like broccoli and carrots and whipped cauliflower rather than mashed potatoes and some grilled chicken and snacks make them healthy, veggies and dip, or fruit. I do recommend watching the class on healthy eating for all the do's and don'ts to helping our kids get a taste for healthy, well-balanced meals. The second question around food that Gabriella shared was about her son being hangry at the end of the day when she picks him up from school because he barely touches what is served. So without a lot of information on this, I'm going to take some guesses. I'm guessing this is his lunch that is served at school. And without being there, there's not a lot you can do. So you have two options. 
Just keep letting him get the school lunch and be exposed to the food, and he can decide to eat it or not. Or, while not the most convenient thing, you could switch to packing lunches. You could work with him to make a list of healthy foods in each category that he likes, and just let him name some things off. You want a protein list, whole grains list, and a fruit or veggie list, and a healthy fat. And then some of these foods will fall into more than one category. So make a list of things in each of these, and if you know what he likes, you can start out the list and then ask him to name some more. So for instance, proteins could be things like, and again, some of these fall into two categories, but chicken, turkey, ham, beans, yogurt, eggs, like hard-boiled, scrambled, egg salad, etc. Now, sometimes I make my kids like scrambled egg sandwiches with cheese and ham on it, and they love that. And then for the whole grains list, whole wheat or any other whole grain bread or pita or tortilla, etc. Quinoa, brown rice, whole grain crackers. A fat could be guacamole or just plain avocado, almonds or cheese. And yes, there's some protein in these last two as well. Then a list of fruits and veggies that he likes. Then you and he can work together to pack a lunch that's pleasing to him, but hits all these food groups and he'll be less likely to turn up his nose or not touch it if he helped pack it and he helped choose it. It is much easier to work on expanding his palate at home when you're there to do it in such a way that you make sure that you keep presenting the same items and adding them to foods and getting exposure to these same foods over and over rather than at school when you can't be there. Then as you see he's starting to take to something then you can be sure to add it into the repertoire more often to solidify his exposure and you can even add it into the lunch menu once he's accepted it. Now onto the question about doubting himself. Let's delve into this a bit. And for a repeat, because it was a little while ago, Gabriella says he is doubting himself a lot. He says that he's not capable enough, not creative enough, that he can't do anything right, that his mind is dirty with too many thoughts. Building in the phrase of the word struggle, like he's struggling with this or that. So I'm going to start with the word struggle. I actually think it's a good word and probably fits exactly how he is feeling, which might be why you're hearing it a lot. Now, you may observe that you feel he's using it too often or in situations where he should feel more confident and capable than he's presenting in that scenario. Again, I'm guessing, but let's start with his use of the word struggle. For me personally, I struggle every day with something or another. My feelings about something, my energy level, my motivation, staying on top of everything, I struggle. We all do. So it's a good word and a good description of how we're doing in that moment with whatever we're facing. So when you hear him use the word, ask him about it. You could simply say, tell me more about that or tell me about what you're struggling with. So let's say he's struggling to pick out a shirt. What are you struggling with? What will happen if you pick out the blue shirt or the red shirt? Okay, or he's struggling with a block tower. What are you struggling with? He might say, I don't know how to start or I don't know which blocks to use. Then you can use what we call scaffolding. And I haven't talked about this term before, I don't believe, but it's basically what it sounds like. Teachers use it at school, and you've probably used it at home and not realized it, but it's building support around our children's learning and growth to the degree that they need us to as they learn to do things more and more independently. It sounds like your son may need more scaffolding right now in some of these areas. That's support in making decisions and tackling projects. So this means meeting him where he is. If he needs help figuring out how to start a block tower, ask him, what blocks should we start with? You could ask, do we use the big blocks or the little blocks or this block or that block? Now, from what you've said, even this may be a difficult decision for him. So I want to share some more thoughts 
around this. But first, I want to get into his use of the term that his mind is dirty with too many thoughts. I'd like to see him use a different word. So perhaps you can help him replace the word dirty with something like overwhelmed or full or confused or something like that. I totally get what he's saying and I totally understand why he's using that word. It's a word that he knows and understands and that's probably how he feels. But maybe if he understands what overwhelmed means or that his head is full of thoughts or there he's confused with too many thoughts, something like that, he could replace that because it's probably a little more accurate anyway. Then you can ask him about it. Tell me about these thoughts. What thoughts are you having? This will give you some idea of what's going on inside his mind. Then hopefully you'll have more to go on. Now, without being around him or observing his behavior, I'm trying to parse out the cause and effect in his behavior. From what I'm hearing, it seems that the cause of these behaviors is his feeling overwhelmed and the effect is the inability to make decisions and therefore it seems to be affecting his self-esteem. Self-esteem comes from two places, feeling needed and wanted, and also feelings of accomplishment. And we need both for solid self-esteem. So I believe, based on what you've told me, is that his self-esteem, or lack thereof, is being affected by his inability to be self-sufficient in these ways that he probably sees his peers being successful. Rather than a lack of self-esteem being the cause to him feeling incapable of making decisions, Hopefully that makes sense. So again, just to reiterate, I sense that the being overwhelmed is the cause and the effect is his inability to make decisions and therefore that is affecting his self-esteem. I don't believe that he has low self-esteem and therefore is feeling incapable of making decisions. Now I'm hearing some things that I think may be important to talk to your pediatrician about and possibly get a referral for an assessment. One of the things I'm hearing that could be concerning, and again, I'm not around him and I haven't observed his behavior at all, so I think it would be best to bring this up with your pediatrician and get his or her take and a referral if he or she feels it is in his best interest. The things I'm hearing are his hesitation to make a decision as small as his cereal or his shirt. Now, most toddlers around the age of two or three really wanna make these decisions for themselves. And soon after this, they don't want to be limited. So by five, he should be picking out a shirt from his drawer on his own and a cereal without needing limited choices. So the idea that making a choice between two things are leaving him feeling overwhelmed and even to the point of tears, tell me that he and you may need to get some extra support to work on this. He may just be very sensitive and get overwhelmed easily and getting some help for him, working with a therapist to get some tools to help him calm his thoughts and focus in order to be able to make decisions or attack a project may be all he needs. And then the therapist can also help you know how to work with him better. So again, this inability to decide and tackle these tasks sounds like it's affecting his self-esteem and that all these are wrapped up together. So while the classes could give you a lot of ideas on self-esteem and positive reinforcement and temperament, and I could go into some of those things, and those things certainly come into play here and can't hurt to know more, but ideally, I'd really like to see him get more confident in just making small decisions and starting projects without feeling overwhelmed and getting some feedback from the pediatrician and a therapist first. If he or she deems that fit, before trying to unravel and tackle 
all of this other stuff. So Gabriella, please keep me informed if you'd like on how he's doing and what feedback you get from your pediatrician. Or if you have more questions or want to give me some clarification on anything that maybe I didn't quite understand fully, and I'll be happy to give some more feedback. If you have a parenting question you would like answered, please send them to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.